0: Welcome to the fourth episode of the Tech Educator Podcast hosted by Jeff Bradbury, Sam Patterson, Jeff Herb, and John Samuelson. The Tech Educator Podcast is a weekly roundtable discussion about current topics in educational technology. For more information, visit our website at Tech Educator Podcast.com. Today we have the pleasure of sitting down with Richard Cleveland. Uh, welcome to the show, Richard. Great, great to have you here.
1: Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me.
0: Richard, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself before we get started. We know enough about everyone else here. Let's hear about you.
1: Well, I'm Canadian. Is that a problem?
0: No, I think that's great.
1: <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> Round of applause. Um, I'm from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. I run a small internet broadcasting company called the Naked Ape Productions. And uh, we are not a porn company, just so everybody's aware of that. Um, we, uh, we do tech type type of shows. We also do more more of an entertainment roundtable. We talk about movies on one show. We talk about comic books on another show. Uh, and of course, uh, we talk about podcasting.
0: That's awesome. Well, you'll be a value to some of our discussions on the show today. Jump in whenever you feel comfortable and uh, hope to have some good conversation with you. Excellent. Uh, There are some great ways to participate in the Tech Educator podcast. We shoot this show live every week starting at 6 p.m. Central. Um, You can interact with us as we record the show through a couple of different ways. We record live on the TeacherCast.net website. You can go to TeacherCast.net slash live. Uh, You can also follow us on our hashtag at Tech Educator. Our Twitter account is at TechEdShow if you want to interact with us that way as well. Um, Let's jump into talking about some of our podcasts before we get started on our discussion part of the show. Uh, Let's start with the TeacherCast podcast with Jeff Bradbury. Jeff, how are you doing?
2: Doing well today. How is everybody out there? Doing great. We had a lot of great shows this week on TeacherCast. We released a few shows today with LiveBinders and also one with Turning Technologies, which is a great company that's out there making... uh, clicker-type technology to help uh, analytics and help your students uh, learn through statistics.
0: Very cool. And you did a webinar just this past week, is that correct?
2: I did. We did a webinar with Pearson Olay about the five ways that you can create a personal learning network. So um, that podcast actually went out this week as well. It's uh, TeacherCast University podcast number nine. And um, I'm going to have the video up uh, sometime this week, but the audio is already available on iTunes under our TeacherCast feed.
0: Very cool. Uh, How did you end up doing that webinar? What software platform did you use?
2: Uh, we actually used GoToWebinar, which was very, very simple, and between, um, Lindsey, who, uh, you know, was from Pearson, um, and I, we just kind of shared our screens back and forth. It was really, really nice. You can do questions, you can do polls, you can do chats, and, uh, so it was through GoToWebinar.
0: Very cool. Yeah, I'd like to do a show maybe in the future about, you know, hosting a webinar and what goes into that, because I think there's a lot of, uh, benefit behind doing webinars since it's really difficult to get everyone together, but it's real easy for everyone to log into the computer and be in a webinar, so uh, we should talk about that sometime soon. Sure. Um, Let's go over to John uh, with the Techlandia podcast. John, how you doing? I'm okay. That's great. How's uh, Arnie Duncan? Arnie, um, he just Arnie Duncan just
3: did a Google Hangout with some NBA players. Surprise, surprise! And um, <laughs> after his All Star game uh, debacle, so um, Arnie's, Arnie's doing pretty well.
0: That's good. How about Techlandia?
3: Um, at Techlandia right now, we were um, we I went with, out to Portland with my co-host Allison, and we proceeded to tape zero podcasts. And I had to fly all the way back to Austin, where we t- now have taped three in the last four days. Wow. So we've ch- uh, changed it up a little bit, and we're going. Um, we're putting all of our links on uh, the website called Learnist, hmm. which is also a good uh, iPad app, and then we're going to also enroll people in class badges where they can start to win prizes from the little uh, T-shirts and all the stuff that I have. I have a bunch of T-shirts and, like, Starbucks apps that I steal, and so we wanted to find a way to give them away. So we thought that class badges might be a good way for... Teachers to start learning some things. So, uh, if you, anybody's interested in signing up, the code is four X J one N, and they will be enrolled into the Techlandia and um, podcast class badges site, and they can maybe win some. We gave actually Jeff two t shirts today already.
0: That's cool. I know. Well, make, yeah, put that link in the uh, show notes so we make sure that we can get that out to everyone. Okay. Cool. Um, what about Patu? Batui. Yes. All
4: the time. I'm sorry. But that's okay. It's Batui Tuesday. And we've got, uh, well, this past week was was horrible. <laughs> Sab was sick. It was under plan. He had some chat called The Jazz of Teaching. It was crap. <laughs> but okay. this week, we're very excited because we're going to Portland for NCCE, which is. Yes, thank you. Which is apparently not the cool conference happening this week, because everybody else will be somewhere else on Thursday when Sam presents on PLNs, which <laughs> he says has nothing to do with puppets. Whatever. Um <laughs> we're going to crash a Techlandia podcast with Allison this week. That will be awesome. Um, corner somebody at TechSmithEDU, and uh, probably do some barnstorming at the conference, some guerrilla recording, and maybe a couple, like, live Patui cast from the G- men's room sessions or something. I don't
0: know. <laughs> awesome. Good stuff. And uh, before I talk about instructional tech talk, Richard, why don't you share with us one of your either new upcoming podcasts or, or shows, excuse me, or one that you're kind of currently doing. Just give us some information about where we can find that.
1: Well, last, uh, or this past Saturday, actually yesterday, we just uh, did our 45th episode of Between the Pages, Uh which is a weekly comic book and geek culture report. We we give you basically uh, a roundup of what's coming out on the shelf uh, in the upcoming week. We do reviews on different comic books throughout the week, and we usually pick a topic to talk about, and we do a little bit of news about what's in the comic industry. Really cool,
0: and we can find that on your website as well, I assume?
1: nakedaprod bet. com.
0: Fantastic. Thank you. Uh, new in Instructional Tech Talks podcast. Uh, this week's episode discusses the Google 20% project, which I found to be really interesting. I had a great conversation with Jessica Pack and John Stevens, two teachers that had uh, implemented this project in their classroom and had a lot of great things to share about it, so I heard about the project through uh, one of my friends that actually worked for Google. And uh, someone is now translating that into the classroom. And it sounds like a really cool project. So if you're interested in hearing about how people are using the Google 20% project in the classroom, you can head on over to instructionaltechtalk.com slash nine to learn more about it. Uh, let's move on. And we can talk about some of the things that we have in our queue for our discussion this evening. Uh, Jeff, why don't we start with you? You had a link that you put up there. Why don't you take it away?
2: I had a few things that I saw on the news this week. Basically, it was saying that you're choosing who your employer is based off of the technology that they have in their offices and how a lot of jobs right now are losing good employees because their offices are not up to date on the technology there. So they're losing access to people because they don't want to work in buildings that have older technology, which kind of is very telling for some school districts these days. I
0: think that's absolutely true. I mean, especially when we're talking about how technology is so, like, fervent and just permeating throughout all these buildings. Uh, You have to get to the point where you're able to support what you're asking teachers to do using up-to-date technology. And uh, I think that article feeds into it perfectly. What do you you guys think?
4: Well, I was uh, actually interviewing somebody recently and they were talking about how their school, a middle school, was going to go B-Y-O-T in the fall, but that, quote, wouldn't affect the English department.
1: So that would you bring well, your own teacher?
4: No, that, that's technology. So they can bring in their iPads and their, their Dick Tracy watches and their full-body image scanners, but that's not going to affect the English department. I mean, why would it, right?
0: Right, right. I like the big bring-your-own teacher.
4: That's good. <laughs> yeah. That's what it's like here, actually.
0: Anyway,
3: i <laughs> that's what it feels like. John, what Who's do you think? Guys I mean, um, I agree. I mean, I agree. I, it's, I'm in my I'm in my nice school district right now, where we have tons of things, and you know, as much as I'd like to be up fighting the good fight at Title One schools, I don't want to leave all my technology, my one-to-one iPads. I want to stay there as long as I can. As long as they'll have me, right? I'll stay.
1: <laughs> Can't say I'd Do yet. you think that iPads and tablets uh, are a useful item in uh, the school system today for things like books and, and that kind of stuff to leave out the paper trail and the 10 tons of books in your backpack?
2: Absolutely. Um, I, I know most school districts right now are looking to go one-to-one for some type of technology. And, of course, there's a huge debate of going iPads versus MacBook Airs and more school districts are going towards tablets. Um, however, there is a big push now for doing online tests. And, of course, that leads to the questions of, are your online tests going to be compatible with a tablet device and what questions are you going to be asked? Of course, it's easier to do a multiple-choice question test on a desktop machine where you've got a mouse and a pointer versus doing it on a tablet device where it is slower and you have to deal with uh, you know your finger as a variable there. Um John, what's your school do, doing? Is it mostly iPads? Is it tablets? Is it where are you?
3: So we're at uh, we're at what we just on February fifteenth got one to one iPads for the entire K through five school. So that's been um, it's made me in a uh, put me in a lot more of a demand to go into classes, which has been incredibly great because a lot of times for the first three months I've been fixing a lot of the problems that we had had due to some construction. So um, the one one iPads have been it's been incredible. Now we're not talking about doing the testing on them. Um, I don't know, you know, and I, I, that hasn't been brought up for us. But um, I would like to get my hands on some Google Chromebooks as well to kind of work in, you know, kind of a relationship. I don't think you should just focus on getting completely one type of of device. I think think you need to have many different platforms to go through. So I'm really kind of looking forward. I'm hoping that we'll at least get like 20 to 30 Google Chromebooks into our school pretty soon so that we can kind of even the balance out a little bit.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I'm excited about the Chromebook. You know, I think it's something that's really going to kind of take education by storm. It's, you know, I think it's going to be really cool. Which ones did you guys order? Do Do you know?
3: I think we're going for the two hundred fifty dollars. Samsungs is what I what I have a feeling um, that we're tr- we're trying to go for. We did order some MacBooks too, but I was trying to kind of get us to curtail the MacBook order a little bit because you could get so many Chromebooks per MacBook. And um, I don't know. We'll have to see. I, I'm I'm ex- I'm excited. I would I would like to, one of the administrators. Um, at the uh, Portland conference asked me, he said, well, so what would I do? Do I choose iPads or Chromebooks? And I just kind of looked at him and said, you'd choose both is what you would try to choose in an ideal world. Yeah. Good combo.
0: Yeah, yeah I mean, and one of the other items on our list of discussions tonight, Jeff, you put on there, it's uh, that you know, $1,200 Chromebook. How do you see that factoring into what we're using in the classroom?
2: Not really for the classroom. I kind of put that story in here just because it's another high-end type machine for teachers to use. Yeah. I know I have a lot of teachers asking me, you know, do I go for the iPad? I- iPad just came out with a 128 gig model for 900 bucks, but to get a MacBook Pro, you're talking what 1600, 1800, something like that for the Retina display one. Um, it's just another it's another high-end option for educators to look at of what they're getting. Personally, I would still go for the MacBook Pro versus going for a Chromebook. Um, Richard, what about you? If you were out there looking for a laptop today, what would you go for?
1: Well, being that I'm a Windows guy, uh, and a Linux guy, uh, I would probably choose something that's based on that platform. However, on the other side of that, I think that, uh... If you are in an education system where Mac is a prevalent thing, I think a MacBook Pro is the way to go. Uh, But iPads are certainly a good device for carrying your books uh, for each of your classes. And then you'd use a a small uh, laptop or a MacBook Pro or or even the Google Chromebook Mm -hmm. as something to write your assignments on and to carry out the assignments. I think that would be a great choice.
2: Now, that brings up... A topic that happens often here on TeacherCast, which is buying equipment for the school that is cheap and affordable to use, but also powerful enough to do what you're doing. And I'm looking forward in in a few months over at ISTE, I'm doing a presentation on how to do broadcasting in the classroom. And I wanted to ask you guys, when when you're suggesting equipment for broadcasting, what do you suggest? Should we suggest teachers going out to get the iPads or the airs, or like Richard said, go for the Windows machines, which might have a little bit more beef to it. I thought maybe we could take a couple seconds and talk about just regular classroom-style equipment from mics to computers to apps and stuff. Richard, if you were putting together a package for a classroom, you know, 30 kids, you're not looking for anything powerful, what would you recommend?
1: I would probably start off with uh, no less than an i7-based PC or equivalent uh, Mac product, although the Mac product you're looking at twice the price. If you wanted to stay within a, a reasonable budget, I would say go for an i7 on the PC side using the Windows platform. And get yourself some uh, decent broadcasting software. Uh, as you know, Jeff, I built a brand-new system here to run Wirecast uh, over December, and the, the box cost me $1,100 to build.
2: hmm now, most classrooms are going to be looking to do either broadcasting through Skype or through some kind of a Google Hangouts. Right. And when you're looking at microphones, I, I usually recommend either like an iRig mic or a Yeti, but most people are even going for snowballs. What type of microphone would you recommend that's durable for an elementary class and even sophisticated enough for you know, a, a high school level class?
1: I think the best microphone to use in those types of settings is an Audio-Technica AT2005 USB microphone. Uh, it is a microphone that not only can be used via USB and becomes its own sound card when you plug it in, but you can also connect it to an audio board, such as a small mixer, uh, through XLR. So and it has think, both those features.
2: And I think that's the microphone that you suggested that we use here with Absolutely. our mixer. And uh, it's doing really well right here. <laughs> and um, what, what, when it needs to be used well, it's, it's doing well, I'll say that. Um, but yeah, it was one that you recommended to me a few weeks ago, and I purchased two of them. And I've been using them ever since, and they're great. They sound awesome. And yeah, I do like the fact that they're XLR if you need it, or um, USB, and it plugs right into anything. I actually use it over the weekend to broadcast at a convention, and sound quality was perfect.
1: Well, the difference between these and a studio microphone that you'd normally find that a lot of people buy, like the Yeti and the Blue Snowball, these are dynamic microphones, so they have a much smaller uh, range uh, to grab a voice or to grab that sound around you. So I've got a furnace that's going off about uh, eight feet away from me, and you can't hear that when I'm talking, and when I'm not talking, the sound is dead.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. It's definitely a nice feature, and especially if you're in a classroom and you're trying to do, you know, you can have actually like five recording stations throughout the classroom with those dynamic mics because, you know, it's those condenser ones that are going to pick up everything around you. And with the dynamic ones, it'll be great that you can have those different stations and not have to worry about space constraints and everything because they're going to pick up the kids that are right in front of it, not the ones that are, you know, like you said, eight, ten feet away. So Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a really good recommendation for at least recording in class when you have multiple people wanting to do it. Um, I I have
4: a question about recording in class, because one of the things I find is that recording can be really tricky. Some of my close friends have really difficult problems setting up recording situations. Um, But I know that in a classroom with kids and equipment and whatnot, how can we set up a recording situation in class that will help kids be successful and be, I don't know, what's the word, bulletproof.
1: I think part of that uh, goes to the software that you're using. Here in my studio, we use Wirecast. Wirecast is a powerful uh, little program that's uh, fairly reasonably priced. For the entry level, it's $500. For the pro level, it's $1,000. And you can record right into that software in both MPEG And FLE, which is a form of flash media. Hmm. And it's all one button.
2: And and you can do that all at the same time? Absolutely. Nice. And
0: so, I mean, I guess just to clarify, if we're going to be using something like Wirecast, what are some system requirements that we need in order to be able to run a piece of software like that?
1: If you're running multiple cameras, you need at least an i7. At okay. uh, uh, telestream.net slash Wirecast, they have documents that you can download to see the different levels that are available, uh, depending on the setup that you want to you use. If you're using a single USB microphone and a webcam, uh, a Mac Mini would be all you'd need.
2: Okay, very cool. And what about recording on, on the fly? Because a lot of teachers are doing that these days. What apps would you recommend on, say, a, a tablet device?
1: On a tab- if you're just going to record audio, there's a great new one that actually just came out, and I just need to pull it up so I remember the name. It's called Boss Jock. Mm-hmm. And Boss Jock is a small program that you can install on your iPad. I think it's only about five bucks. And you can find that in the App Store. And then what you want to do, if you're going to use the microphone like I'm using here today and the, and the same microphone that you have, Jeff, you want to pick up an iPad camera connection kit, which is about $29. It comes with two little dongles that you attach uh, to the 30-pin connector. And uh, the one that you want to use has the USB on the bottom. They're quite small. They connect to the bottom of your iPad. You can plug one of these microphones directly into it through the USB. Monitor yourself through the headphone jack and record what you're saying.
0: That's awesome. Nice. Yeah, that's really good. I was trying to, I mean, short of the iRig mic, which is kind of an all-in-one solution, I didn't really know that you could use the camera connection kit to be able to bring in a USB microphone. That's awesome.
2: Yeah, works quite well.
0: Connection.
2: That that's it's a pretty powerful tool. Of course, they call it a camera kit, but I've been using that setup for anything from recording cam uh, recording concerts to presentations, and it works. Just it, d- does it work for you on the iPhone as well, Richard? Yes, it does. So it's very versatile. For what was it, twenty bucks, thirty bucks, something like that? Yeah, and
1: about thirty. It was thirty bucks Canadian when I bought it.
2: I don't know how that translates.
1: It's about 25 <laughs> bucks in the U.S. Not well. No. We, <laughs> we just only work like $4.
4: <laughs> Everything at the iPad is either two prices, $20 or $3 million.
0: That must be one of the $20 pieces. <laughs> that's really true. That's pretty funny. Oh, that's cool. So, Richard, just to kind of recap, if we had the ability to have a computer that would run Wirecast, then that's awesome. But what if we have you know, just a classroom set of iPads, what's our best solution? You still think it's that Audio Technica microphone?
1: I really do, yeah, because okay. it's so versatile. I mean, you can actually even plug in a pair of headphones to the bottom of this mic and monitor what you're saying.
2: Nice. Oh, cool. And it's really clear, too.
0: That's I, right. I, Yeah. Well, we should definitely put a link to the uh, in the show notes to that microphone just because... Um, I did not know that there was the ability to have a USB and an XLR microphone. I think a lot of people can b- find a
2: lot of use out of that for sure.
1: You know what? I'm going to grab one so I can show you the bottom. Give me a second.
2: Yeah, great. it it, show it us comes. The bottom. It comes with a really nice. See if I can pull this thing off. It pull it off. A, comes with a really nice microphone stand too. I, I actually cool. uh, the week before I got this, and I spent 20 bucks at Guitar Center on it, something exactly like this for another microphone of mine, and was very happy that when I bought my two. Uh, my two mics, they each came with a stand. Yeah, that's great. So
1: here's the mic here. Okay. It's, uh, it's a, you know, a good, rugged microphone. It's solid steel construction. Mm-hmm. So it's not, uh, it's not the cheap microphone that you're going to find for your Xbox when you're karaokeing. <laughs> uh, and on the bottom, you can see that oh, it has an XLR nice. input. It has a USB input, headphone input, and a headphone volume adjustment.
0: Oh, my gosh. That's incredible.
1: The other nice thing that you can do with this microphone is you can lock the switch into the on position so the kids can't accidentally turn it off while they're recording. Very
0: nice. That's, that's incredible. That's a really good uh, all-in-one type piece of equipment. And How much do one of those run, typically?
1: Uh, in Canada, they're about 80 bucks. In the U.S. on Amazon, they're $49 right now.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: Huh. But we get free health care, so we have to pay twice the price. <laughs> right. Right. Now what I do recommend, uh, especially for microphones like this, is go out and get yourself just a little windsock. Mm-hmm. These are about a dollar ninety nine at any good uh, guitar center or uh, music store that might be in your general area. For two bucks it's going to A protect the microphone itself from, you know, a lot of uh, phlegm flying out of people's <laughs> mouths and and that Ew. kind of thing, uh, yeah, or spittle as, as it's known in the U.S.
4: And, no, uh, those are two totally different things. I hate to interrupt you, but but phlegm has a viscosity that's completely different than spittle. I mean, for being without any salivation glands, I can tell you a whole lot about this. I, I'm sorry. I,
3: I, like to call it, I like to call
0: it patui. Yeah, that's patui, right. Thank you. <laughs>
1: thank you. Thank you. You can take you. them off and wash them.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's good. and that kind of uses that kind of doubles as a pop filter too. It does.
1: does. yeah, it does double as a pop oh, filter. Wow. Although this mic does really well without it as far as uh, the plosives from what you're saying.
4: mm-hmm oh, nice. right the fricatives
0: Yes <laughs> right exactly. Good deal. Uh, all right. anything else you want to add in there, Jeff, in that segment? I'm um, no I, I, I think we learned a lot. Yeah, no, that's really helpful. I know that's something that a lot of people always ask me about how to get into recording situations in the classroom. So, Richard, thanks for sharing your insight on that.
1: Hey, not a problem.
0: Um, Let's kind of jump into another couple of discussions before we wrap up here. Uh, I added in a piece of information about a website called talltweets.com, and I just kind of want to get some of your feedback about it because it's kind of interesting. It's kind of a, a workaround for Twitter You know They limit you to 140 characters, but with tall tweets, if you tweet from their um, service, it will break your tweets up into 140-character bursts and kind of just release it in segments. And it'll say, like, one of one or one of six, and then two of six, three of six, and it'll just release it all like that. Or you have the option of taking that block of text that you type into that box and then turning it into an image, and so you're actually tweeting out a picture that then is just all of your text. So it's actually a really cool tool, but at the same time, I think it's going against what is so great about Twitter. What do you guys think? I've seen, um,
3: I have to say, I've been annoyed a little bit lately. Um, I unfollowed somebody. Um, The person was Charlie Sheen. But uh, I saw that Charlie Sheen was making these huge, long list-like tweets kind of where he'd he'd been like trying to write jokes or whatever and he would spread them out so they they actually like filtered in a lot thicker than a normal tweet and it really really bugged me not only were they horrible jokes but they were um annoying but um i found one yesterday that uh is called uh, an app called graphic tweets which kind of does the same thing and i was playing around with it and it's 99 cents and you can actually just – it'll show your tweet, but then it'll show it as an image, and you can take it and make all sorts of different things. And um, I just I kind of tweet. thought it was fun. John, John,
4: is this going to be another one of those Vine app things? <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm always, I'm always uh, drawn to those things, which can be used for uh, dastardly uh, deeds from other people. But I don't know. So anyway, I – I I don't know. I like the format of Twitter. Um, I don't know why Charlie Sheen's annoyed me so much, but <laughs> they really did. They really did. So um, I don't. I don't know if I'm for larger tweets. I don't think right. so.
0: At first, I was excited about it, and then when I really thought about it, I mean, I put a lot of thought into how I craft a hundred forty character tweet, and I think because of that, I get straight to the point, and I don't dabble around with a bunch of crap that. You know, people don't need to read. You get to the point, you figure out creative ways to say it, and I think that's what's so important about Twitter is that you can sit down, you can go through a feed of, you know, 100-plus tweets since the last time. Well, if you're following 1,000 people, it's more like 1,000 tweets, but um, (laughs) you can sit down and you can thumb through that and get the gist of everyone's post in a matter of minutes as opposed to... It, this is going to like revert to just reading a blog. I mean, it's going to get to a point where it's too excessive, and I so I like the idea of keeping it simple and keeping it to that 140 character bit. Uh, Sam, what do you think? Well, I think that if you want to go
4: on and on and on and not say anything, well, that's what Facebook is for. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and now Google Plus.
4: Right, right. <laughs> oh, okay, hold out a second here. This is really <laughs> important. Apparently, last week, one of the Ed Chats switched to Google Plus in order to avoid spam. And next week, SatChat's planning on doing the same. When the spammers hit in Twitter, they're going to go to Google Plus. I think it's horrible.
0: That's interesting. I didn't know that it was happening.
4: I should have put it in the show notes,
0: I know. But boom, there it is anyway. <laughs> ah, what do we do? What do we do? That's interesting. How much interaction do you have on Twitter, Richard?
1: uh i actually use twitter very little surprisingly um for a guy who does you know four shows a week uh i basically go on there and tell people that you know i'm on that we're streaming live now come join us other than that i try and avoid it like the plague (laughs) Because it just annoys me these these hundred and forty character tweets. Some of them you just can't decipher, and then others are stacked on top of one another, and you got to read a friggin' book before you get to the end. And then all this hashtagging—it drives me crazy. <laughs> just Richard, me Tell me what you want to say. Yeah,
4: right, right, Richard. How do you how do you actively avoid the plague? <laughs> um,
1: Penicillin. <laughs>
4: Penicillin. Okay, good to know. The, the plague isn't. Uh,
0: n- Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, John, do you have anything to add into the discussion segment today? Um,
3: you know what? I just I, I was just talking about one of the things that I don't know. I, Richard seems like he'd be a good person to ask about it. Um, and it, I you know, I'm I'm not a real technical guy, but uh, there's this thing called the Seagate Wireless Plus, uh, one terabyte uh, hard drive, uh, like drive where you can go ahead and, um, take things from your iPads and your mobile devices and it, it syncs wirelessly then. So then you can go through and it almost creates like a little mobile hotspot so that if you had one movie, you could actually stream it out to like seven different devices at the same time Is what it said. And then it wouldn't have to take up all the memory in your iPad. And I was just kind of wondering if, um, If uh, Richard knew anything about that at all, or I think it just came out like last month, though.
1: Yeah, I've seen a little bit about it. I haven't really read a lot about it. Uh, It would seem to me that a device like that could be problematic at best because right now we have so many wireless devices in our life, from wireless phones to, uh, you know, even in our homes we have 5G phones now. Uh, And then we've got, you know, other wireless devices or computers or iPads or laptops, you know, that kind of stuff. I can see where you can start cluttering that wireless airwave and that data not being transferred fast enough.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially I see that same issue in schools. We have poor wireless networks as it is, let alone trying to add something that's constantly trying to pull, you know, large video streaming files uh, is just gonna clog things up even more. But, you know, at the same time, that's something that's definitely on the horizon for a bunch of schools is building those robust Wi-Fi networks. And maybe this is something that they can incorporate into these new redesigns as they start rolling out this new hardware. Because you're right, John, I, I really think that this is something that will have to come down the pipe eventually. Um, it's, it's gonna be, uh, something that, you know, we have these, iBooks, especially these big textbooks, they're over a gig in size. And so if you're able to develop an iBook overnight or something, um, you want your kids to be able to get it easily. And this Seagate Drive sounds like something that might be able to enable that, too. So uh, I understand it completely with what Richard is saying with the bandwidth issues and trying to get all these devices connected. But at the same time, I think it's something that's going to need to be figured out in order to be effectively distributing these kind of applications, too. So, interesting. Good stuff. Where did you see that, John?
3: Um, you know what? It just went. It, it came into my Scoop It feed... Uh couple days ago, and I looked at it and I thought, wow, that looks really useful. <laughs> I thought that might be something that we could, try. and it's, it was um, retailed at $199, so that's what the price was, and I think it was just at the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas last month.
0: Very cool. Um, let's jump into some apps. What do you got on uh, apps? We'll just go do a quick whip and uh, see what we got. Jeff, let's start with you.
2: Well, I've been playing the He-Man app for the last couple weeks here. I don't know if you guys have checked it <laughs> out. Oh, my yeah. God. Haven't you taken She-Ra yet? <laughs> well, there, there is a She-Ra campaign, and let's all remember that this is an educational program. Um, but, yeah, I've been playing the He-Man app, which is doing, doing really well. And last week they released, I think it was at least last week I noticed, uh, the first, Infinity Blade, um, was actually a free app. So I've been playing uh, Infinity Blade as well. But I-, I wanted to bring up an interesting app that was free that I, I can't seem to put down. And, uh, Stuart, this one might be close to your heart here, but it's called Llama Duck. Llama Duck? All you have to basically do is... It-, it shows you pictures on your on your iPad, and all you have to do is choose if it's a llama or a duck... But they only show the picture for less than a fraction of a second. And um, if you haven't tried Llama Duck yet, it's very, very addictive. And actually, I have to give full credit on this one to a student of mine at our high school, which I have to admit, Richard, is Canadian. And he came Uh in and brought this Llama Duck thing, and it basically has infected most of the school. We're all walking (laughs) around, bumping into each other because we're playing Llama Duck. Nice. Nice. At least so, it's
0: educational.
2: Blame Canada. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> when they take no, the ACT, if they happen to throw in a question where they have to identify between the two animals, hope for the best.
2: Well, the <laughs> problem is that I, I have a teacher at my high school who's an alpaca raiser. And I was showing him this, and he was very upset because most of the llama pictures are actually alpacas. And then I had to get an education on looking at the ears of these things. And I, I don't know, maybe Stuart can tell the difference between a llama and an alpaca and Tell us what, in the what dark, baby. <laughs> 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 Richard, what apps are you using these days?
1: Uh, actually, I was just introduced to uh, one that I think has been around for a little while called Word Feud.
2: Ooh.
1: And it is a two-player game that you play across uh, to anybody in the world, actually. And it's available both on iOS and uh, Android devices. And it's basically Scrabble. A two-player Scrabble game.
0: Oh, huh. that's cool. Nice, and it's free.
1: It is free. There is a paid version if you want the HD or to get rid of the ads. I think it's only $1.99 to buy it as well. Um, but it's definitely worthwhile looking into, especially for English teachers. There you go. Um, you know, if you want to introduce a, a spelling-style app to your kids, I, I think that's a great way to go.
0: Fantastic, uh, John. Let's jump over to you for your app.
1: You know what? Um,
3: I, I've been they've been working on a little bit. Is this app called Answer Underground? Mm-hmm. And um, I've I've tried to start um, taking questions for my podcast with an, starting an Answer Underground group. But it's pretty cool because you can make these little study groups for your class, and you can go in as a teacher and you can verify the comments and answer questions and stuff. And I'm always a big fan of being able to communicate, like, after the school day. That doesn't really bother me. So um, we've tried to start a Techlandia podcast, Answer Underground group, where we keep getting people to uh, join. And it's universal between iPad and uh, the iPhone now. And I think they just updated it last week. So it's getting, be- it's getting better, and they're really improving it a lot. So I like Answer Underground.
0: Cool. Have people been pretty receptive to that uh, for your podcast? Yeah, They've been joining. I want
3: them to ask questions or make comments. And they ha- I think th- some people are scared. Sometimes people ask, like, where are my shoes or my car keys? And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'll go in there. But um, otherwise, uh, we keep. I keep getting people. I get the notification. So hopefully when, after they listen. I think um, the trick is that people would actually have to listen to your podcast, Jeff, in order to, to do that. <laughs> so maybe one of these days we'll get some listeners.
0: Hey, I think we are. I'm thinking <laughs> we've had uh, some pretty good upward movement in iTunes, so, uh, hat goes off to Techlandia for your recent success. It's been. No,
3: thanks, fun. thanks. I know, we're right there. We're, we're uh, we're a new noteworthy,
0: that's for yep. sure. That's a good time. It's a good place to be. My app for this week is an app called Podbay. Uh, some of you may have heard of it. It's a. App that will allow you to stream basically any podcast that is available in iTunes uh, live from the app itself. It's a very clean design. Uh, you don't have to go through all of the, you know, Apple Podcast flipping pages, random subscription issue things. Um, I just found that this app seems to be really clean and really easy to use. That uh, You can get to it by going to podbay.fm. It's available for iOS and Android devices, and it's what I use to listen to all my different podcasts uh, podcasts each week. So definitely something I'd recommend. It's really easy for anyone to get started with, and it's free. So definitely worth checking out. Yeah, Richard, why don't you share again, real quick, what uh, how we can track you down and find your podcasts?
1: Or shows. You can find all of our podcasts at nakedapeprod.com. You can follow us on Twitter at uh, naked underscore ape underscore prod, and we're on Facebook as well.
0: Fantastic. Yeah, it was great having you, and we really appreciate all the insight you brought to uh, bringing recording into our classrooms as well. Uh, Jeff, let's just do a quick loop and let us know where we can find your
2: stuff. You can Certainly check us out at teachercast.net. We have some great shows coming up this week and uh, yeah check, keep, keep us uh, keep our podcast in your feed.
3: Absolutely John. Uh, you can find me at ipadsammy.com Maybe Maybe uh, Jeff Bradbury, you'll like this one. Maybe a name change coming for the iPad Sammy taking Ooh. out a little bit of you know, a little bit of my bitterness there but uh, and you can also find me at iPad Sammy on Twitter. Nice. Yeah. is that mean Linux? Sammy is coming. That's right. I'm, oh, I'm yes. trying to. I might become. Um, I heard that uh, for, from Stuart that there's this new uh, thing called the Linux Distinguished Educator. So <laughs> I'm thinking about trying for that one. There you go. Open source and, Sammy. There you go. <laughs> yeah,
1: there's a good one.
4: Stuart, where can we find you? So you can find me at mypaperlessclassroom.org org and on Twitter at living's sorry at learning's living.
0: <laughs> and of course, you can find me at. Uh, InstructionalTechTalk.com, or you can find me on Twitter at INST Tech Talk. Uh, you can find the information for this show uh, that airs every week at 4 p.m. Pacific and 7 p.m. Eastern Time at TechEducatorPodcast.com. Uh, for the meantime, the show is being hosted on the TeacherCast Network until we design and develop a website to house it on its own. Uh, when that happens, just continue using the com domain as everything will switch over automatically. Uh, once again, it was great having anyone and everyone who is watching or listening join us this week. We look Thank forward you. to seeing
1: you again next week, uh, and take care until then.